Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. I didn't think I would ever say this, but Michael Bidwell could learn something from Robert Sarver, the disgraced exile owner of the Phoenix Suns, because Sarver finally saw the light when it came to meddling and getting in the way. And look at that franchise now, a basketball team that has become a winning machine. In fact, NBA analyst Kevin O'Connor just said he was amazed the Suns could be this good without Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder. They are a team leaning on culture, not alibis. Now, Bidwell needs to heed this lesson because his reputation in the Valley has taken a hit this season. A year when he delivered the Super Bowl to Arizona, but not a Super Bowl team. Not even a playoff team. A team that is 1-10 in its last 11 home games. There was the embarrassment of the Kyler Murray study clause and the revelation that he watches game film with Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph, and the latter is a step too far. And it's also dangerous because because every football coach in America can use game film to explain how his players are the one to blame, not the plays. And personally, I think that's part of the disconnect between the way the owner sees his head coach and what the rest of us see. At any rate, Bidwell can get it all back with one impact hire. If he can recruit and pursue and sign Sean Payton, that would be a game changer for his image, his football team, and every disgruntled fan created over the last 18 games. Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I was shocked they extended Cliff Kingsbury uh, after the way last season ended. The fact that he hasn't had a ton of success, you know, both levels, frankly. And and I've been critical of the offensive play calling for a while in Arizona. So strictly from a football perspective, I would have moved in a different direction way before uh, what they did this season in terms of getting him the extension. And that, that that's not to say, you know, Kyler's in the right to call him out you know, or anything like that. Um, but just from a strictly football perspective, I think Arizona, it's in their best interest to move on. That is Mina Kimes from ESPN. Certainly not alone in that, uh, that philosophy, that belief that uh, maybe the Cardinals will be better off. Uh, but let's start where, where, where she started. Mm-hmm. And you may remember... Um, I felt kind of silly from from my reaction because we were being filmed when that breaking news came down that Cliff Kingsbury got that contract extension. All due respect to Cliff, it made no sense to give a contract extension mm-hmm. at that point to no, a head coach who had, had finished a year that way. Um, I, you know, generally speaking, I don't think you reward people following their worst performance. It just doesn't make sense to me. Show me what you're capable of. Uh, and this, you know, this label that had followed him throughout his coaching career, yeah. even the year before, was his mm-hmm. teams don't finish strong. And we saw just a clear cut example of it again last year. You know, Michael Bidwell's in a, in a weird spot right now. And it's a spot that he put himself in by extending Cliff Kingsbury, by extending Steve Kime, and by um, what became necessary on this whole Cardinals timeline by extending Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's in. And so I think that, again, I, I've got experience with this because w- when I had been highly critical of Ken Wisenhunt, when things started to fall apart on him, you know, he did the whole come in. Let me show you. Watch film with me. Let me show you why this is not my fault. 
And, and there's a lot of danger in that because, as I said in the blast, any football coach can sit there and point to film and go, look, look at all these open guys. I'm not the one throwing the ball. It's his fault, not mine. It, what that fails to realize is that everything that goes into plays that don't get made are usually a function of coaching uh-huh. and practicing yes. and repping and getting guys to do the right things I'm, at the right time. I'm curious, and I've, I've heard you reference that experience that you had with, with Ken Wisenhunt mm-hmm. a couple times. Mm-hmm. Do you remember cr- chronologically? Was that before or after the fifty-eight nothing game in Seattle? Oh no, it was before. Was it? Oh yeah, it was when things were starting to slip away. Okay, yeah. Um, let me read this to you from Kyle Odegaard. I'm I'm, I'm going to read this to you because he used to work in that building. Okay, mm-hmm. quote: Bidwell's first gaffe this year was the ill-advised choice to extend coach Cliff Kingsbury and GM Steve Kime in March, a needless decision based on a simplistic look at the t- team's trajectory. I think that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Then came the stunning lack of activity in free agency when he didn't open the wallet to lure stars on the open market. Next was the stubborn choice to put a study clause in quarterback Kyler Murray's extension, a strange call if done in private, and an unmitigated disaster when it became public. And this is the part that I, I wanted to bring up. More recent, most recently, we learned that Bidwell watches film with Kingsbury and defensive coordinator Vance Joseph in overreach for someone who was born into ownership and doesn't have the merit to be involved on a daily basis. That's strong language from somebody who used to work in the building. Okay? Yes. What I'm what I'm saying is is that can a, a smart head coach can use those sessions to, to, again, it's not the plays, it's the players. This is and, and again, it's it's much more complicated than that when it comes to football. And so I, I do think at at the, the tail end of this is this opportunity now to go pursue Sean Payton. And if Michael Bidwell does that, it's a total reset button for everybody. Sean Payton is that good as a head coach. Yeah. Uh, we had one of our listeners chime in, Seabacher um, forty four on Twitter, who chimes in a lot, and we, you know, Sarah reads a lot of his responses on social studies. Uh, dedicated listener, but he said, "I went to Eastern Illinois when Peyton was our quarterback and had an art history class with him. He was always a Cards fan, as was I, and always had to defend Cardinal the Cardinals against Bears fans from Chicago in our class. Then he played for the Bears during the strike." With a laughing emoji. Yeah. And and I told you during the break that as, as somebody, you know, who, who grew up around the Bears, that was a stunning story. And the fact that Sean Payton has been able to make a name for himself in the NFL after having been a scab player tells you how good he is as a football mm-hmm. coach. Because generally this league, they don't play like that. Yeah. You cross that picket line. You're done. You're kind of done with us. You're kind of done with mm-hmm. And and that never stuck to Sean Payton because he's that good at his job. I mean, for for players from the outside. Now there yeah. were there were established players during that strike in '87 that crossed the picket line. That obviously we're all forgiven at, at a certain point. Right. But he was an outsider at that he, point. He would be such the he would be so perfect for this time and circumstance and this quarterback. Um, and I know we're going to get back into this. The idea that Kyler Murray is not coachable, which is kind of something that Ian Rappaport put out there yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. Mm-hmm. That's partially due to this regime as well. The, the, the coddling and the giving, giving, giving. You remember when the head coach said Kyler Murray's earned a say in personnel? Remember how ridiculous that was? Mm-hmm. That was two years ago. So, so what I'm saying here is there's an opportunity here to go get a real impact coach. With these weapons, with, with the way this team can flash, you give Sean Payton, Rondale Moore, Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler Murray, now you're cooking. Because I guarantee you that guy will make it work. It certainly seems 
custom made for for what he's good at. Developing he's got and thriving with a, a smallish quarterback. Yes. yes. Now, a different type of quarterback, no doubt, from Drew Brees to Kyler well, Murray. Well, I would, I would say Kyler Murray's got more physical gifts than Drew Brees. I would agree with you. You can text your thoughts to the uh, FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, one member of the Phoenix Suns had a performance so good last night, it necessitates a Jim Rome impression. Devin freaking Booker. <laughs> We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's just what it is, man. It's kind of what I get paid to do. You know, I'm worried about getting everybody else involved when you know I have it going like that, and it causes other teams to play different defenses. And, um, they're late in, uh, late in the game, so we got a lot of open shots. And, you know, that's what I'm out there to do. Booker slowly crossing into the forecourt, left-hand dribble, around an eight-inch screen, still dribbling to the left elbow, spinning to his right, jumper up and in with the right hand. D. Book's got 40, and the Suns retake a one-point lead. Devin Booker, 44 points last night. Suns get a big win in Sacramento against a much-improved Kings team that had been playing well at home. And let's face it, Bick, the Suns have not been a very good road team this year. They've been dominant at home. They've lost only once on their home floor at Footprint mm-hmm. Center, and even that uh, that game that they lost later turned out to be a mea culpa from NBA officials because they missed three calls in the last second of the game that went against the Suns, uh, including the winning basket. But um, that's a big win. And to see Devin Booker take over the game again last night, uh, the last time he got that hot was that game in Salt Lake City where he had 49 against the Jazz, but... They lost that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Booker made a lot of big plays, and it made a lot of big plays without scoring, too. Six steals, and the way that he was able to handle the defensive strategy of Sacramento, again, shows how he is continuing to mature as a basketball player in year eight. Yeah. You keep, you're running out of areas where this guy can improve. I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but my goodness, the, the, the improvement in different aspects of his game during his career, especially over the last four years, when you thought he had already reached that point. Mm-hmm. All right, this is a finished product. I don't think Devin Booker's ever going to be a finished product. Yeah, that yeah, that that might be the the proper observation to make. I, I think it's interesting to me that Chris Paul has now missed ten games with something that is clearly much more serious than a sore heel, and we never talk about it. No. That's unbelievable. That's how well this team is playing. Given given what Chris Paul meant to the renaissance and the resurgence of this franchise, mm-hmm. to have him miss this many games with an injury that there's really no end in sight. I mean, that we've seen him practice a little bit. He was but, a full participant in practice okay. before that trip to Sacramento. So, so it would look like he's getting close, but we never... Talk about it, and it's because Devin Booker seems to be embracing this, and and he keeps talking whenever he gets a chance about how the Suns are a team, even though this is sort of really not his breakout season, but this in in a weird way, this is kind of a, the guy kind of going up the last few rungs on a ladder, and you can see it happen. And it began with being on the cover of a video game, and you read the reports of how inf- how impactful that was to Devin Booker. How he was running around screaming and jumping when he saw it. Uh-huh. Right? He's like really checking those final boxes That's of what it means right. to be an NBA star. That's right, a superstar. 
superstar. That's right. Yeah, and been a star. Yeah. Right. So, so I think that's been really awesome. And and the fact that, as we mentioned, you know, a couple segments ago, that Pat Beverly incident when when we were just appalled at him, what that might have done in the long term for DeAndre Ayton's force and fer- ferocity on a basketball court. We might all want to send thank you cards to Pat Beck. Yeah, I remember. I mean, before that incident, I, I, Aiden had started to be a little bit more demonstrative. There was some talk going on, and, and Anthony Davis was great that night. I mean, the stat line he put up, you don't see very often in the NBA. Right. But Aiden had a really good night before the push from Patrick Beverly, and that might have been a, the, the final push over the edge for him. Um, and I agree with what you said earlier in the show with with Aiton getting his first weekly player of uh, uh, player award uh, for the Western Conference like he did yesterday. Maybe that's another you know item that he can use to fall back on like hey and even his comments like I, I want to be great he's been talking about that a lot lately uh, he talked about being the energy guy for this team I can't be a guy who goes through the motions during games and I'm paraphrasing I have to be that guy that's there every night yeah. um, and you know you're right that this this stretch of what we're seeing from DeAndre Ayton right now six straight double doubles Longest string of his career. He had the back-to-back dominant games against Detroit and Utah on Friday and Saturday last week. But this was preceded by a kind of a, a, a downstretch for DeAndre Ayton, where even I was asking the questions about. We're seeing we're seeing passive DA again. We're seeing him, you know, not get involved the way that he's capable of getting involved. And and you want to talk about night and day difference. And and a lot of it coincides with what you said. It really that, does. That Patrick I mean, Beverly shove. The Pistons Jazz, they came right after that Lakers game. And, and suddenly yes. he's coming in, swoop dunks, jumping, leaping, hammer. It was like, whoa, where did this come? Well, it came from Patrick Beverly basically punking a guy who's a foot taller. And DA, uh, this is his response. And and it either came to him or people got to him and said, listen, dude, you may you may look at yourself one way, but uh, but here's the, the reality. Of what just went down with this kid, and you need to respond, and and I love it. I look, it's as I also pointed in my blast. Kevin O'Connor is a very smart basketball guy. He just tweeted out, he's just blown away that this team is functioning at the level they're functioning, missing three of their top six guys from last year. Yeah, <laughs> and you know one of them's not coming back. Right, the Jay Crowder ship has sailed. Yeah. They will get Chris Paul back. They will get Cam Johnson back at some point. But well, look, when Cam Johnson went down especially, people mm-hmm. said, all right, they don't got Jay Crowder. All right, Torrey Craig's going to get – he's going to get pushed into extended duty. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've talked enough about what Torrey Craig has done. He's never going to be a big scorer, but he's given a consistent threat from the corner three. He is a tenacious rebounder. Yeah. Doesn't put up huge rebounding numbers, but seems to get big ones. Yeah. Last night, he got the biggest rebound of the game, that offensive rebound that led to the, the, the foul and the two free throws to ice it. Which, by the way, NBA, you credited that, credited that officially to Damian Lee. Correct that. Give, give Torrey Craig his big offensive rebound. It was clear he got it. I don't know why they did that. It was weird. Oh, it's a stat, Vinny. Hey, 
Sports one, matter. One, one yeah. thing I know, yeah, sitting stats. where I sit during games, oh, okay. is these players yeah, are very in okay. tune with what stats yeah, they're getting and not point. getting. That's a very, very good point. That's fair. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> they're calling for it all the time. Hey, what happened to that assist on that last trip down the floor? In hockey, they, they it's funny because the best goal scorers in hockey are the, the guys who are tough enough to camp out in front of the net, and that's a very hard yes. thing to do because you take a beating, you're taking sticks to the ribs, you're getting pushed, and, and you've got to be able to, to embrace that contact to be successful. That's what Torrey Craig does around the basket. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind. He can play that gritty, grimy kind of basketball and go get a tough rebound. And that rebound he got last night, you know, the Kings could have tied the game. Yeah, they could have. And that's two straight games, again, that have been clinched by mm-hmm. Suns players with big offensive rebounds. That's a good point. DeAndre Ayton against the Jazz last night, Torrey Craig. Yep. He's been fantastic. And, I, and I'll be honest, I had my doubts because Torrey Craig, I think, when he got reacquired last year at the deadline, I think he had one or two good games to start. And then I think he struggled the rest of the year throughout, yeah, he, throughout the playoffs. So for him to get pressed into starting duty, you're like, oh, no, is, how's this going to work out? It's worked out fantastically. No, and again, there is... There is you do have to recognize how good Jalen Smith's been in Indiana. Yes, and what you could have had and what you traded. So it's not like it's not all, it's not all plus 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 no. here. But but I do agree with you, Tory Craig in extended minutes. I was afraid of it, and he's actually succeeding at it. Yeah, and speaking of players uh, from Indiana that uh, could have been sons. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And last uh-huh. night was a perfect mm-hmm. example of it because he could have been a son, and he was a king at one point. What Tyrese Halliburton is doing is unbelievable. Did you see the stat line? In his last three games, 40 assists, zero turnovers. I did not see And that. got gaga praise from LeBron James last night because he set up the, the game winner to Nemhart. And the Lakers lost again. Yeah, that does hurt. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Halliburton, yeah. Matherin, backcourt of the future. But... Halliburton was passed on by the Suns. We we get it. He was a member of the Kings, and they traded him. And they're, I mean, and they're doing all okay. The, and look at well, I I think the Kings are they're they're a, I won't say fascinating, but they're. I mean, they actually have hope in and Sacramento. So, Sabonis is good. It's not like one of those trades where they totally flopped on it. I'd rather have Halliburton than Sabonis. Same. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel that way right now. Coming up next, uh, we'll have our weekly visit with the Coyotes' chief hockey hockey development officer and legend, Shane Doan, next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyote's legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyote's hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Every Tuesday we talk hockey and whatever else pops up with the one and only Shane Doan who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Doner, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. This is the fourth straight week we have talked to you on this show where the Coyotes have been in the midst of a road trip and there's still four games left. I hate to keep beating the dead horse on this road trip thing, but man, we might not ever see anything like this ever again. But are they really on the road right now? They're not, but... So... Yeah. Okay, in, yeah. in a stretch I, since they last played a home game. Yeah. Yes, that is that is very true. That is very true. It is it is one of those things that um yeah, I don't think you'll see again. It's something that uh 
it's it's obviously uh, not ideal, but it's going to make. So you're going to get lots of hockey in the second half. So that's that's always positive. Uh, one of the things that I, one of the things I've I've noticed in the last couple of games that I think is a good defining trait of this team is the fact that they when they get down they don't give up. Coming coming back in games is something this team is is kind of not hung their proverbial hats on, but it, it's 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 a good sign of a team's character, isn't it? Yeah, and it, I mean, it really points to I think Andre Terrini and the coaching staff and the players for buying in. But it's, it's always that it's I guess it's a conundrum. Do you, do you have players that buy in, or do you have coaches that draw it out? Like it kind of goes both ways, and I, I think it's a compliment to both of them. And that they obviously the situation that is with being on the road as much as they as much as they've been on the road. For them to be down in Minnesota, who's got a pretty good team, and for them to fight and come back and score two late goals to and almost get a almost get the tying goal at the end there, it just shows uh, the fight and the, and the coaching. And uh, I was really impressed with the, that last game. Talking with Shane Doan as we do every Tuesday here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. We talked about individual players and some about the young guys, but I wanted to ask you about two different young guys today, Donor. Uh, Matias Michelli, who uh, is second on the team in assist with uh, 12, just 22 years old. Tell us about what you've seen from, from him this season. He's, uh, he's, I think he's a kid. No, this isn't. Like, and, and it's something that's going to make uh, a lot of success, I think, going forward. He's, he's a guy that um, when you watch him, he, he sees the ice really well. He, he makes the simple, so so quickly and just naturally where it's sometimes when you have a really skilled player, they tend to think that the simple plays beneath them. <laughs> think, well, yeah, I can make a pass to the guy that's wide open or I could try to beat one more guy and hold on to it for a little longer. Um, but Shelly just does a great job of, of making sure that he, he makes the right play and uh, he knows what he's going to do with the puck before he gets it. I'm really excited to see what he can become because I think he has a chance to be offensively pretty special. And Dylan Gunther uh, playing a full season in the NHL at the age of 19. Uh, maybe some people thought ahead of schedule. And you've got some experience of playing a full season in the NHL at 19. I mean, it can't be the easiest transition to make. What have you seen from, from Gunther? Uh, you know what? He's a guy that I think he has a chance to be the best scorer out of that draft. Um, we were, I think we had him ranked second or third on our on the draft board, and uh, we got him at nine, and we were all very excited about him. Um, he's a guy that he shoots a puck. He has an elite shot, and an elite as in the top, you know, ten, fifteen guys in the whole league. Like he really shoots a puck well, especially as a nineteen-year-old. Um, but you watch his whole game and it's kind of he talked to Andre Tarney Bear and he, he mentions how he plays a complete game and he gets he doesn't get as much credit for playing his complete game because he shoots puck so well and he can score so much um, but he's a kid that's that we're going to like him a lot for the next you know hopefully for a long long time because he's a guy that has the characteristics of being a guy that you can kind of build a, a team around offensively and you can kind of build your group around because he's he's uh, I think capable of scoring and um, for him to get to play this whole year is, is, is going to be exciting and uh, he's a guy that uh, you start to see 
you know a little bit of what what we hope is coming down the the path with regards to the the future of the kids that are coming into the into yeah, the organization. No doubt, and 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 I think as we pointed out, Andre Turgney is 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 really got a good good touch with young talent. Bill Armstrong is GM. When he was hired, um, there was all that weirdness about stipulations, but everybody was kind of like, hey, look, when you get this guy and when he's finally in place, this is exactly the kind of old school, hardcore hockey dude you need to rebuild a roster. What do you make of this work in progress of, of, of the character traits that are involved in some of these young kids who are now coming into the organization? Yeah, you look at the guys that he brought in to help him with his co- with his scouting staff, and they are absolutely elite. And they brought in, and uh, you look at like a, a Ryan Ryan Jankowski and a Daryl Plendowski, which are two great hockey names. Like yeah, they're awesome, definitely. Hockey names. definitely. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you look at the guys that they brought in around him uh, that he went out and got, and um, that's a testament to his ability to to see scouts and who who are good. And uh, they've they've done a great job. And you look at some of the guys that they've brought in in the draft. You look at some of the pro guys that they're they're trying to identify that can help us. And there, there's definitely traits there in regards to they like a bigger physical team, and it's something that's that's going to be uh, probably a staple of, of him as a GM. And 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 that's uh, I I think that's great, <laughs> and that's something that uh, um, that he's been really kind of. I think staying on top of and it's the last the last couple of summers we've had the opportunity to kind of take advantage of our of the cap situation and Bill's done a great job of that uh, adding players through you look at like a guy like Goss Despair and guys that are getting second chances and picking Andre Tierney as a coach was probably the best thing he could have ever done and so you got to give a lot of credit for those things and like you said the characteristics that he wanted and that uh, he's trying to establish Shane Doan our guest here on uh, Arizona Sports we got to shift focus a little bit not completely to what's going on at ASU because it was a big weekend for ASU hockey it was a big weekend for um, you know Coyotes fans who wanted to see a prospect in their own backyard because Minnesota comes to town with Logan Cooley, the high draft pick, against your son, Josh, and the Sun Devils, another uh, draft pick. Biggest uh, victory in ASU hockey history when they beat second-ranked Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're, you're over the moon over it. Uh, what was that atmosphere like? It was awesome. It was really, really good. And uh, I think uh, the crowd... Saturday night crowd was unbelievable. They got into it. The band was playing, and my wife loves the band at the ASU games because she thinks that's the coolest thing. So, um, but yeah, it was a great environment. Cooley was—I mean, in the first game, his game-winning goal was what are they calling that? Shane Doan and his legendary Shane, come on, and his legendary cell phone. Oh. Never lets Almost us down. Almost made it. Never lets us down. <laughs> you got to check to see if this so is salvageable. Great. I wanted to hear what he had to say. No, that's the way to end it. That's no. just a brilliant way to end it. Just fade away. <laughs> <laughs> Are we I'm reconnecting? Sorry. I'm We're going to try to reconnect. You had, us, Jared's fault. you had us on the edge of our seat there, donor. That's Jared's uh, fault, isn't it, donor? I that's got to be the digital Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Right, you were talking like, about you were talking about Cooley's goal. Yeah, he you know what the goal that he scored where he 
they flip it up on their stick and they're calling it Michigan or whatever, but it was just a highlight real gold. Um, him and another kid that's actually from the Valley, Maddie Nyes, who Josh and him grew up playing together. They were, their line, they have a line of uh, Cooley, Nyes, and Snuggaroo. They're elite. Like, they could all three be in the NHL this year. Um, but the, they were, they played really well. And for our boys, as your boys, Friday night, I thought they should have won Friday night. And then Saturday, maybe not quite as, uh, they weren't quite as convincing our guys, but they got flipped. We lost the game. I think we probably should have won. And then we won the game. We probably got a little bit lucky in, but uh, it was an unbelievable environment. And the overtime winner by Mastro Simone was great. Was a, I think it finished at 5-4 game, which, so you have nine goals in a game, lots of scoring. And uh, it was a riot. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's a big win for them. Donor, as always, great to talk to you. We will chat again next Tuesday. All right, now I got to fix my Wi-Fi on top of my phone. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you, Donor. Get to work, Shane. <laughs> Shane Don, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, Coyotes Legend, joins us every week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Also, a gentleman who joins us every week. Uh, and his team having a lot of success. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils basketball team. He'll join us straight ahead here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers. Two more wins for the Sun Devils. They are 6-1 and one on the season, heading into their first taste of Pac-12 play this week. Starts uh, Thursday at Colorado. Here to talk about his team with us, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. He joins us every Tuesday. Bobby Hurley, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Bobby, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Likewise, Hope you did, buddy. too. Uh, and I'm sure getting I'm sure a couple, you did. <laughs> couple of wins last week over uh, Grambling State and Alcorn State. And I know there's a lot of eyes on your program after the performance in Brooklyn and what you did to Michigan. How pleased were you with the way your team handled business in those two home games? Well, those games are scary as a coach. You know, it's it, they're great, you know, from a record standpoint. But, uh, you know, going in, you don't have a lot to gain and a lot to lose if you're not ready to play, especially with the uh, emotion of, of winning the championship in Brooklyn against Michigan and uh, coming back and playing, you know, a, a lower-tier conference opponents. Uh, I think it was, it was good for our confidence. So, overall, we, uh, you know, we comfortably won both games, uh, made some strides on the offensive end, I think, both games. We uh, we had over 20 assists uh, in each game, so uh, our offense is, is improving, and certainly our defense is, is leading to offense, and we're making some really good decisions in the open court. Uh, can't believe Pac-12 basketball is here already. From what you've learned, the, the conference, it, it, it's weird to me, Bobby. Sometimes you see um, good teams get pulled down to the level of competition in this conference. It can be a grind. What have you learned about, about competing and and coming through this in a really good place. Well, I mean, it's just familiarity. A lot of the coaches have been here, and you, you know their their tendencies. And uh, even though there's there's different personnel, coaches kind of stick to, to how they operate. So, you know, going into these games, uh, there's going to be nothing different. Um, you know, for us starting on the road, it's something that, we knew we had to, to win on the road. We've had one opportunity and, uh, you know, came up short losing overtime. So got to prove that we could go away from DFA and, uh, 
and win a basketball game, even though we've won, obviously, on a neutral court. Uh, but it's different on the road with the crowd and uh, and all the variables that you get with that. But uh, we tried to prepare for it. Both of our close scrimmages were on the road this year purposely because we knew that we had uh, you know three true road games left here in, in the month of December to get ready for. This schedule, it's changed in recent years, Bobby, with, with uh, teams in the Pac-12 getting a, a taste. With the 20-game conference schedule now, you get two games, then you go back to non-conference for four games before you're fully into conference do you like that that setup um i do i I think it's 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 good to get get a taste of of league play and uh you know and and not trying to jam in all the games in uh in january february and uh so it, it gives it gives you a chance to have that one week uh where you're getting ready to play your rival and um so I, 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 I think it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, you get a chance to get a, a jump start. If you could have a great week, you you know, you kind of get in front of the competition. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk a little bit more about, about the validation that, that this basketball team um, experienced in, in terms of not only winning and beating Michigan in that championship game, but the whole experience. What, what, is you, what have you seen that translate to within the personality of this team? I just think there's there's a better vibe, you know, in the locker room. I think there's, uh, you know, in practice, there's great enthusiasm and energy. There's uh, there's more belief in what we're doing, and uh, they're seeing the you know the benefits of the work they put in. They're seeing the potential, you know, of our season. You know, being able to go and handle a team like that that was uh, nationally ranked and you know historically a very good program, one of the best big men in the country, and and to beat them that easily. I think it showed that, you know, we have really good upside and great potential to become pretty good. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest as he is every week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, On the Marcus Bagley front, I I think maybe there's some confusion among Sun Devil fans about Marcus's place. Uh, I know he had been injured. He wasn't with you. And I know you commented on it after he was available in terms of chemistry. Can, Can you update the Marcus Bagley situation and where he's at right now? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak with Marcus here in a few hours. Yesterday we were off and uh, didn't get a chance to talk with him concerning his tweet um, mm-hmm. and his other tweet about being healthy, which is fine. He's been in practice, so we know he's healthy. It's, you know, I think it's a, it's a byproduct of other guys playing well and, uh, and and just not having an opportunity to get him out on the floor. I mean, that's all it comes down to. There's guys in New York, Austin Nunez, Luther Muhammad, uh, talking about bringing back Jemiah Neal, who I think has great upside on defense and makes us better at that end of the floor. And that's what we've been hanging our hat on this year. And, uh, you know, of our starters, now you go to Frankie Collins. I don't see him coming off the floor too often. DJ Horn has had some great scoring games for us. Des Cambridge was Pac-12 player of the week on the perimeter. So, you know, we have a stacked perimeter, and, and right now there's just no minutes for him. All right, when you talk about uh, the next opponent, Colorado, they've been all over the map this season so far, alternately really good and alternately otherwise. What are your thoughts on this opponent? Well, they have a really good young point guard. K.J. Simpson has uh, got a chance to be really good in, in, in our league, and Tristan De Silva is another Really good young player that, uh, you know, those two kind of lead what they do. And, and Tad Boyle does a great job. They've already beaten uh, University of Tennessee, who at the time I believe was top 10 in 
They just won the battle for Atlantis and the Bahamas. So Tad's already proven that uh, he's probably got the best sig- single win in, uh, of any team in the Pac-12 so far. So got a lot of respect for him and how he runs his program. And uh, and they've been they've been winning you know every year the last several years. So we know we're going to have our hands full on the road and the altitude and uh, in Colorado. Bobby Hurley of ASU, our guest here on uh, Arizona Sports. Uh, last week when we talked, Bobby, we ran out of time before I wanted I wanted to ask you about your freshmen uh, that are making a big contribution to Duke Brennan and Austin Nunez. Uh, can you just uh, expand on what you've seen from them? And are you surprised that they've been able to carve out such prominent roles for themselves this early in their freshman years? No, because, I, you know, I think, uh, again, uh, Austin Nunez is fearless and you know, the moment isn't too big for him. He, uh, you know, especially playing in New York and in front of that type of crowd, NBA arena, playing a nationally ranked team. And he went out there like, you know, he was playing back in his high school gym in San Antonio and uh, comes from a great family, a very athletic family. You know, his dad has done a great job just preparing him for, you know, this level of basketball. And uh, he just comes in. He's very coachable. He's got a great work ethic. Uh, and the same thing goes for, for Duke Brennan. I think Duke Brennan's quickly becoming a fan favorite at DFA uh, because everyone sees how hard he competes. And, again, he's a guy that Frankie Collins could come up to in practice and say, hey, you're not doing this. And, and he accepts coaching not only from his coaches but – you know, from his teammates, and uh, I think the guys enjoy playing with Duke because of just how hard he plays. Well, Bobby, uh, best of luck this week on the road at Colorado and then home against Stanford, and we will talk to you uh, before the SMU game next week. Very good. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, Bobby. you, Bobby Hurley, the head coach of Arizona State. We uh, joins us weekly here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, the 9 o'clock hour. Is it 9 o'clock already? This show's flying by. we got to get into some social studies. Excellent. Sarah moves fast, Vinny. I, we should trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't apply to you, Jared. <laughs> Shut up, Jared. Come on. <laughs> Excellence moves fast. Jared's still dragging. <laughs> Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona he Sports. Good. The local sports leader. Great outfit today, Jared. <laughs> You've been listening to the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break was presented by Arizona Ford Dealers.